I'm no expert, but I think the trail goes this way. homework here it's July 3rd and this is my second day being alone on my hike and last night I was ready to quit I went to sleep with the plan that I would hike back out the uh, miles I hiked in knowing there was a uh, popular day hiker lake and I'd hitch a ride back into town and I would catch a greyhound to the nearest airport and I'd fly home and call it good um, I slept lightly and faded in and out thinking about what I'd do when I went home the people I'd visit um, what I would tell people about me quitting and I did get a little bit of sleep um, when I woke up this morning, I packed my pack like normal, and for some reason I just felt the pull to keep going. That's kind of like what through hikers do, you just keep walking forward. So, yeah, I just kept walking, and today has actually been really pleasant. I think it's one of those things where once you get so far down, there's nowhere else to go but back up. So today's been pretty cool. I've actually enjoyed it. The storm broke up. It's sunny. I've met a bunch of cool day hikers. It costed them to talk for a long time. So I'm about to do something that's going to be pretty cathartic for me. I'm up on a ridge, there's a bunch of burnt up trees, I'm way up high, there's no one else around <laughs> like normal. The wind blowing through the trees kind of sounds like the ocean and I'm going to yell some stuff. I'm not afraid of being alone anymore! I'm not afraid of bears! <coughs> but they're fun to watch! I miss my friends and my family. I miss Flynn. But this is a once in a lifetime experience. So I'm gonna keep going. I love the world.
I feel a lot better. <laughs> All right, gotta keep walking. That's it for now. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. I'm your host, Gizmo, and this is episode 8 in season 2. And we've had a small hiatus since our last episode, which is entirely on me. Nothing has happened. There hasn't been a particular reason why I haven't been podcasting, except that even things we love and very much want to do can sometimes be very hard, sort of like some other activities that I can think of. You know how Facebook does that thing where it pops up old posts from, like, that date, but previous years? It's been doing that to me a lot lately, and its algorithm seems to have a fondness for trail photos, and it's popping them up with what feels like every day, which is impossible because I did not have that much cell phone reception out there. But it's been, it's been interesting to see how I've reacted to those posts and sort of contrasting that with my current office life, and everything else that I'm up to. What's so great about those trail photos anyways? I mean, don't I remember more than just the big white mountains, and can't I also remember the mosquitoes, and the foot pain, and the knee pain, and the body stench, and the sweaty nights, and the freezing nights, and the uneasy days with the wind grinding my nerves down? What's so great about outside anyway? Why do we do these hard things, and why do we love the challenge of the trail? That's the question to answer for today. Alongside that, we're going to do a bunch of catching up with homework and his progress on the Continental Divide Trail. Last we heard from him, he was in New Mexico with his hiking partner, Knees, looking forward to Colorado and the hope that the winter snows were receded enough to cross. I've given you the end today before the beginning, but I think it will mean even more by the time we circle back to it as the end of the episode. So let's tune back into homework to see where the story starts. This is homework, and that was the sound of sweet, sweet water dripping through the grates of a cattle guard. <laughs> I'm riding or talking from, I don't know, mile 715 or 750 of the CDT. My hiking partner and I left our resupply spot of Ghost Ranch yesterday where we indulged in an all-you-can-eat buffet and picked up our hiker box and got a quick shower before we took off. We are in the mountains now. There is water. It is spectacular. I got to use my backpacking fishing pole, which I've been carrying since the border. And within the first 10 minutes, I caught two beautiful rainbow trout and we fried them up for dinner. And it was such a treat. And just fresh food out here in general is um, really good for morale, but Right now I'm on a forest service road and I'm having to hop all over the place because there's literally water just seeping out of the ground all over the place, little springs and seeps. And uh, it's just such a, such a change from the desert. You know, we, the first day we rose out of 
the city of Cuba in New Mexico, we all of a sudden there was just snow melt and water gushing all over the place and our feet were wet the entire day and we were walking through snow and it was just exhilarating to see the scenery change and a little nerve-wracking knowing that just up ahead near the New Mexico-Colorado border, two days ahead of us, is where the, the San Juans start and that's where the, the real snow um, has been accumulating. And at our last resupply spot, Ghost Ranch, yesterday, we, you know, had our ear to the ground with all the snow info online, on social media, from other hikers. Kind of everyone's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it looks passable. Right now, I think the consensus is that snowshoes are going to be one of the key tools in getting through the San Juans, but the avalanche conditions are minimal. There hasn't been any recent storms that have made the snow really deep. So I think we're going to be able to do it, which is really exciting to be able to, what I call, sneak by. <laughs> um, it just makes things a lot less logistically complicated. Uh, a little side note for our situation is we're going to hop off trail for about, I think a total of f like five to seven days. We're going to hitchhike or um, get a ride from past hikers up to the Boulder, Denver area. I'm flying out to Outward Bound to do a um, LGBTQ workshop for our all staff training and it's been pretty pretty stressful logistically kind of figuring all this out while being on the trail but it's uh, really important to me and um, I think it's gonna be really valuable for our staff in the coming season of students who will benefit from it so things are good morale is up that's about it. I'll have to update everybody again once we get to our next town because that's where everyone's going to be staging for the, the mountains. Cool. Talk to you guys soon. Homework and Nice had high hopes to continue straight through into the San Juans, but it wasn't meant to be. Here's back to homework, filling in on the next development. Hey, it's Homework here with a little trail update. I think the last time I talked to you guys, my hiking partner and I were speculating all the snow up in the San Juans in uh, southern Colorado. Since then, we uh, passed the New Mexico-Colorado border and hunkered down in a little border town called Chama for a couple days waiting for our snowshoes and kind of doing some research about the trail conditions ahead. And while we were there, it's pretty interesting. The the northbound bubble was kind of pouring into town, you know, all 17 of them. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, a bunch of hikers that were ahead of us had turned around and come back into town after hitting some pretty rough conditions in the San Juan mountain range. So we got news of really sketchy um, avalanche conditions and exposed slopes with nasty runouts and 
people who are doing 30 mile days being reduced down to 10 mile days and we uh we just decided to cut the chama drama and just flip up north we squared away a ride we're really lucky we have a uh, we stayed at a guy's house in reserve new mexico who off of couch surfing and he's been following our blog and offered to give us a ride up to glacier the northern terminus of the cdt and so we we definitely jumped on that and let's see six days ago five days ago now we started at the northern terminus and have been hiking southbound so we've been hiking through Glacier National Park, which is just full of these spectacular views and snowy summits. And it's been very similar to the Sierra where every day it's this routine of going up and over a pass and then following these alpine lake valleys and then up and over a pass and then alpine lakes. It's, it's been pretty killer. It's been a, a really amazing experience up here. Everything is so lush, like salmon berries and ferns and bear grass and all this foliage up to your armpits and you're swimming through it. It's been kind of bizarre after coming out of New Mexico to, to the water scene up here. We haven't even needed to carry more than a liter of water throughout the day just because everywhere you go it's just pouring out of the ground so that's kind of news from the trail lots of bear tracks around we saw black bear we saw grizzly tracks we carry bear spray yelling hey bear whenever we go through dense areas or around blind corners so it's uh it's wild out here okay that's about it so one of the magical things about a thru-hike is the way they allow you to stitch together these massive strings of landscapes into a single experience. So having to do a flip like homework is doing and interrupting the geographical order of things can sort of be a disappointment. Except maybe when that interruption sends you to Glacier National Park, right? My family went on this really big camping trip when I was 11 or 12. I don't quite remember um, driving all the way from Arizona to Montana and stopping at all the national parks along the way. There were naturally a lot of memorable moments with the six of us all together in a suburban and a tent for a month. But the most memorable part for me actually took place in Glacier, and it didn't have anything to do with the endless torrential rains that we experienced or the relentless mosquitoes that at one point drove me to actual hysterics or the interminable hours stuck in a backseat with an annoying sibling or two. That trip took place at the ending cusp of my childhood, and something was changing in me at that time. I think maybe when you're a kid, you're not capable of feeling wonder the same way that adults do. You don't have enough context for it, maybe. Not enough life experience to tell when something is truly fabulous because everything in your life manages to be simultaneously both amazing and mundane somehow, to be taken for granted. But that summer, I was finally old enough that when our family crawled out of the suburban in Montana, 
onto the glaciers and the peaks and the rivers of that national park. I saw it like I'd never seen anything wondrous before in my life. And I'm not trying to say it was the first amazing place I'd ever seen. It was just that, for whatever reason, it was the first time I understood what that amazement really was. And I guess that's part of why we bother going outside. Inside is not as good. <laughs> for our next interview, we're going to hear from Leif, who is now Droplet, on the Pacific Crest Trail as he interviews his fellow hiker, Smiles, about what they find so great about being outside all the time. Hey there, Sounds of the Trail. This is Droplet, and I'm here in Cascade Valley, which is actually off of the PCT, just a few miles detour to check out some hot springs. And I'm sitting here with Smiles, who I'll let introduce herself. Hi, I'm Smiles. I've been hiking the PCT for about two months now, 21 years old, and this is my first through hike. So lots of new experiences out here. It's been exceptional even in the rough times, like our afternoon this today, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to kind of give a little backstory on how we got to this campsite tonight? So I, I run into Droplet at this junction and I decided I was going to go down to these hot springs and I, I'm waiting there for a couple of friends of mine that were just a ways behind me and um, there was a ton of mosquitoes there and I didn't have any bug spray so I figured I'd get up and move around. Hopefully they wouldn't follow me as much. Well, <laughs> I get maybe a quarter of a mile down this side trail and I have never seen mosquitoes the way that I saw mosquitoes tonight. <laughs> There's one point where I, I finally had to stop. I was being swarmed. So I take my pack off and I look down at my legs. I'm wearing shorts and my legs are just black. Like there is not a section of my legs that isn't covered by mosquitoes. And that that continued on for what? Like almost a mile, three, a yeah, mile or two, a couple probably. miles. <laughs> I, and I didn't even know the bugs were that bad until I saw you coming back to me, like meeting me on the same trail that we were both heading the same direction on. Yeah. I panicked. I, <laughs> I got so overwhelmed. I was really close to having a mosquito meltdown. So I decided I was just going to turn around and go to this flat section that I'd seen just off the trail and try and escape the mosquitoes. But it was nice to have another human being out there. It helped me push the last mile make it to a decent campsite yeah they're <laughs> far and away the worst mosquitoes i've ever seen yeah. so that kind of like floats nicely into um you know what's so great about being out here anyways like we were just talking about today was great until the last three miles which were un almost unbearable what, what are some of the things that are that make that worth it yeah i think in that moment when I was being swarmed by mosquitoes, it was incredibly hard, but it's, it's things like that that allow me to get a better look at myself. It's almost like they hold up a mirror and whatever it is, any kind of roadblock. So maybe it's blisters, maybe it's a river crossing that is a little bit stronger, deeper, faster than I thought it was going to be. All of those things allow me to push myself further and realize that I am more capable than I believed I was yesterday and to really kind of dive into just everything that we're capable of out here. And, and now I'm sitting around this fire and it's warm and I had a belly full of good food and I get to look at the stars tonight and it has its 
hardships, but they're nothing in comparison to what I experience in, I guess, common life, for yeah. lack of a better way to yeah, yeah. put that. I mean, I didn't have to be stuck in traffic today or like loathing my life or my job or questioning like what I'm doing in the world. My job was to keep walking and to figure out how to overcome the mosquitoes <laughs> and to get to that, you know, green pasture on the other side. And there always is. There's always such a huge reward out here. And sometimes it's just the sunset. A couple of days ago, I got to camp at one of the most incredible campsites I've ever seen and witnessed this breathtaking sunset that went from, you know, these white, crazy clouds going across the sky behind these mountains, the Evolution Mountains is what they were called actually. And then it turned this bright pink and then an orangish yellow and it, it was just incredible. It was a full light show for me in the middle of the wilderness. And, and that's worth it. You can't get that anywhere else. No. You know, like you can take a picture of it or whatever, but that night was insane. I actually was looking at my phone the other day and checking all of my pictures. Yep. And I was so upset. Like, this isn't anything close to the experience that I had. It was magic. It was wizardry in the sky. And then I look on my phone screen and it's not the same. But I think that's why it's worth being out here too, because you can't transcribe that and give that to somebody else the way that it's felt in first person out yeah. here when you worked hard and like there's blood sweat and tears and mosquitoes to get to that sunset it's just you can't beat it do you think your idea of like just the outdoors in general or like their inherent benefits of spending time outdoors has changed since you started absolutely yeah absolutely i think I think being out here has reminded me how much more I am a part of nature. For sure. Like how how yeah. like, an animalistic in a way. I don't know that I'm articulating that correctly as, as I feel it, but that I am so much closer to the trail and the deer and the trees and all of the greenery that grows out here and getting to just sit in that and meditate and it's quiet out here. Yeah. It's quiet and, and it, it breaks you down in a really beautiful way and then I get to think and I get to hear myself think and identify those thought process more. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so that creates a ton of benefits, a lot of emotional benefits for me, um, working through a ton of repressed memories and hard things that I've put off or run away from in the past. And I do believe that repressed memories and, you know, resentments and anger whatever it may be when i hold that in my mind it, it's going to manifest in my body in one way or another it's you know maybe stress or joints or back pain whatever it may be I, I really do believe that that is that can manifest physically so i think it has physical and emotional benefits yeah sometimes i find that like just being out here for such this extended period of time it helps you realize that it, that th this is our natural state yeah. to be in these places not to be in buildings and like working at a desk but to be here next to a river by a fire you know like today i was practicing my whistle you know yeah. i was telling you yeah. <laughs> and these people on the trail they saw me and they're like oh i didn't know if you were a human or a creature and i said <laughs> one and the same right here i was like aren't we all That's and they, they're kind of like caught off guard and i was just like you know, that comes back to that. This is like our, our natural raw state. And I think that it helps you like let go of the stuff you need to. 
whatever right? it is. It's baggage. It's heavy. And just like a, like a shakedown on my pack, I get this emotional shakedown. You know, like, I don't need this. It doesn't serve me. It is not life-giving. Like, am I going to keep holding this and harboring it or am I going to let it go? And you're right. I do feel much more at home out here. And sometimes it's like silly things. The other day I was walking on the trail and I saw this perfect sitting rock. It, oh. it just was the perfect chair. And I'm like, this is a chair was made for me out of this piece yep. of marble stone on the side of the trail. It just, I don't know. It felt like home. It felt comfortable and right and personal in a way. But it's little things like that. And, you know, another kind of nice segue. The community out here makes it worth it. You know, what's so great about being outside? A lot of it is like, you know, being outside with the people that we get to hike with. That was uh, one of the things that I I wasn't prepared for going into this hike. For sure. I Same. thought, I really thought, because I'm a solo hiker, that's how I started. Mm-hmm. And I had this preconceived notion that I was going to be out here totally alone, soul searching, camping by myself. You know, this kind of like <laughs> cliche mountain woman idea. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Sure enough, I get out on the trail and, you know, even within the first day, let alone the first week, I was making all of these really incredible relationships and bonding with people. And it was so incredible. And I got to learn how important community is out here and just sharing in these experiences is so much more meaningful when you have somebody to talk to about it and express your feelings. And this hiker family that I have kind of fallen into it's accumulated over time and changed and developed but they're the most supportive people I've ever met they've been with me through the best days and elation and emotional breakthrough and they've also been with me on really rough days you know when I'm just like feeling terrible and not myself and they they see my heart and I don't ever feel judged for that. I feel like I can be so raw and honest out here and it's gonna be met with love and kindness and support. For sure. And so even like just the communities that we hike in are so tightly knit, but then you have all the people that are helping us too. And I've been, I've been blown away by the graciousness of people towards me because I have a backpack on. Absolutely, I totally relate with that. I. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of those things that I was not expecting at all. I had no former knowledge of like the network of people that are there to support you. And I have an interesting story and background in that I have spent time homeless. You know, I've spent time smelling bad and needing food and needing rides and things like that. But the circumstance was so much different. And so I had almost grown... Um, a little bit of like distrust and hurt towards people because I'd felt so unsupported for portions of my life. And then to have that completely transformed and restored out here by the kindness of people. I was sitting in like a little deli in mm-hmm. Idlewild and I'm having a sandwich and I had my pack down by my table and this lady kind of, you know, timidly comes up and she's like, hey, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but are you a PCT hiker? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am. Like, sit down. So he's just started talking and um, sharing. And she she had to run. She had to get back into town. I think she lived in L.A. or something like that. She was just there for the weekend. And Mm -hmm. she goes, you know, I feel led to do something. Give me just one minute. And she runs out to her car, 
comes back in the store, hands me something and like doesn't let go of my hand yet. And she looks at me and says like, don't look until I leave. But I just wanted you to have this. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> she gets in her car and leaves and waving and she goes around the corner. She gave me a hundred dollar bill. Dang, really? A hundred dollar bill. Just handed me a hundred dollars. Didn't even know me. Had spent only a few minutes talking with me. And that's the sort of thing that has continued to happen again and again. These are profound things. It's not like a little like, oh, I'll give you my spare change. Or like people are spending themselves on you and going the full extent. And I, I don't know what that is. Is it maybe... Like we represent their hopes and dreams of freedom or of like wanting to break the mold or, but I've struggled with my life, um, feeling like a burden and it's interesting to have these people that take you into their home and something that's like their most vulnerable and private place. That's like their sanctuary. You know what I mean? And they're just willing to like let you stay there and pretty incredible it's definitely incredible so at this point in the interview droplet and smiles got into a discussion about some other chill topics and we'll hear from them again for those in later episodes but the interview came back around to being outside so let's catch the rest of it (laughs) i love my breaks my breaks are some of the best parts and now that's another thing i i'm gonna circle this all the way back to your first question but (laughs) um what makes it worth it definitely the breaks (laughs) there are times where i've been huffing and puffing up this mountain in one direction and it's incredibly beautiful but sometimes that ends up being my focus and then i'll stop for a minute i'll finally just stop and breathe and Uh throw my pack down like an animal (laughs) and then i get to kind of turn around and look and see where i just came from yeah, that's and always cool. There's not a lot of feelings that compare to that. And when I have that thought of, oh my goodness, I just I just hiked all the way over from that other mountain range and I just came up from those mountain lakes in in like 3 hours. Yes, and yeah, your body's like pumping, cr- yeah. you can feel like the vitality and like you hear your heart beating and you're breathing and every cell in your body is alive and aware of what's going on and how alive it is. Yeah. That's so worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, too, just even the raw beauty out here. Like, so much of the oh, world is, is moved forward and uh, propelled by beauty. Mm-hmm. And we see that in, you know, society and all different aspects, especially as a woman. I've seen that growing up, you know? Sure. You're told, like, to look a certain way and do this and that and the other thing. Why? Because a lot of times that represents success for a woman. Right. But... I think beauty is a fundamental thing that drives us and it's everywhere out here. You oh, can't escape it. Heck yeah. The next bend. Oh. What, what's around the next bend? Yes. The, the whole Sierra is every day I've been like, well, that was the best day on the trail. And then the next day is like, nope, today's the best day on the trail. And then there was one in there that was like, okay, that day sucked. <laughs> it was beautiful, but it just sucked. Yeah. It Day. Oh, uh, the, day, the day we did Glen like one and a half when when you were oh, up top in the thunderstorm yes we were waiting <laughs> because we had all oh, we couldn't make it and then sat in the rain for like two and a half hours but at least, <laughs> at least like let's all comparison on this day because 
my day was terrible you, too. Yeah, your day was worse. I had to your run up that entire mountain because I was like, I'm already this far. I, the right. lightning's coming. Like, I need to make it off this mountain. So then I, I put on my micro spikes and I'm like trying to run down the other side, but it's just slush. Yeah. And I bad. can't find the trail. It's so messy. And so I finally make it down and it starts kind of like sprinkling mm -hmm. and the thunder's still a little bit away. So I'm thinking, okay, I can make the, you know, 0.5, get to camp. <laughs> right. And I just got a little too hurried. Homegirl was just a little excited. And I'm almost there and I'm crossing this log over Ray Lakes and I fall into the lake. <laughs> into the lake, so I'm soaking wet. And then as soon as I like pull myself out of the lake and I'm trying not to cry, it just starts pouring rain and like, the lightning and the thunder starts. So I end up pitching my wet tent and putting all my stuff in there. And I just sat naked in my tent trying to dry off. I was like sitting in the self-pity tent. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then the people ahead of us, the, the, whoever decided not to take, you know, an hour-long break like I did, happened to miss the storm just a little bit and got to go hang out and like have a great time on the other side of the storm. Right. I know. It's a great time out here. Oh, it's the time of my life. No questions. <laughs> you know, time of your life can mean so many things. Let's go back to homework on the Continental Divide to see how the time of his life is going up in magical Montana. It's homework here. I'm at the junction for the Anaconda Butte cutoff in uh, central Montana. Um, I'm hearing gunshots pretty close by and it sounds like some wounded animals that are getting pretty close to me at this point. A couple days ago, me and my hiking partner were kind of coming out of the woods over this grassy knoll and we were hearing gunshots, like sound like handguns and then some semi-automatic weapons and, um, you know, we like started blowing our whistle and yelling to make ourselves known. And there would be pauses, like they could hear us, and then kept going. Um, so we, you know, cautiously kept going, trying to figure out what to do. And um, we eventually crested the hill during one of the pauses and thought, thought we were good, thought they heard us. And, uh, you know, got, 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 uh, and, and we couldn't really tell where they were, so it was a little tough to figure out what to do, which direction to go, but we just kept following the trail. And then we, yeah, we crested the hill, kept going, and thought we were good because we were being really loud with our whistles and yelling. Um, and it started up again, and we, I heard a bullet ricochet and go really close to me. And so we hit the deck started blowing our whistles and yelling more and there was another pause and we kind of like looked up and then I started waving my arms and my trekking poles and we could see like four figures down below us and they finally recognized we were there and like kind of like half-heartedly waved back and I yelled down like hey there's a trail up here you probably shouldn't fire your weapons towards the trail you know trying not to be rude because obviously they had guns um, 
and so they held off and we passed and like five minutes later we can hear them starting to shoot again so anyway like this happened to me in in uh, Washington on the PCT too but it's never pleasant um you know I'm nervous that just sitting here might get shot at thinking I'm an animal or something but it's been a rough last couple weeks we flipped up to Canada and have been heading south and got through Glacier really quickly got through the Bob Marshall really quickly and there's a section when you enter the Bob Marshall it's like a 200 mile section uh, with only just a very small resupply in a place called Benchmark but it's completely remote Um, and just before going into that section I got the news about the Orlando shooting where I think about 50 people were shot in a gay club and it just really shook me before I went into the wilderness um I don't know it was just really tough I was on this high because I led an LGBTQ workshop like a week before I flew out to my outward bound base and did a workshop with my friend Smash for all staff training and uh, it just felt a lot of hope and humanity and then that happened a couple days later and then I just dipped back into the woods I don't know I still really haven't kind of processed it out I'm struggling a little bit there's just not there's no people around it's just me and my hiking partner and our conversations have gotten shorter and far between we meet up for lunch and barely talk and then you know we have a couple random laughs here and there and then when we get to camp we'll drink a little whiskey and laugh about some random stuff that happened during the day but usually we're just really tired we're doing like 30s pretty much every day I don't know Things don't really feel fun. And I'm trying to just think about it as a phase. Um, As things go on the trail. There's just phases of different... um, Of things you go through. But... And I've been trying to shake it. Just feel kind of lonely and displaced had kind of a bummer interaction in Lincoln, Montana, like a bartender and three self-described regulars told a really terrible racist joke and had a good laugh about that. And um, I don't know, it just made me feel really uncomfortable. As a trans person, I feel invisible. I look like any other regular white guy. But in reality, I'm sensitive to a lot of stuff and I see things a lot of people don't and I hear things, really terrible things, because I I look like common company, but I'm not. So, I don't know, it's weird. I feel like the PCT for me really filled my canteen and hope for humanity and the CDT just... (laughs) feel like I'm getting worn down there's 
there's no people on the trail, which is hard. Or I'm just not near the people. <laughs> the southbounders are, and the flippers are about a week or two behind me, just starting now. And all the northbounders are, you know, still fighting their way through Colorado. So I'm kind of alone. So I don't know, just trying to hang in there. And we're making good miles for sure. And the terrain's beautiful and I feel strong. Um, I guess I'm just not super inspired, but these things change. So just gotta hang in there and push through. That's about it. Sorry for bumming anyone out. <laughs> so carrying off-trail business with me onto the trail was something I actually struggled with on the Arizona Trail earlier this year. Sometimes the heaviest load isn't on your back, but in your mind. Smiles brought up in her interview that one of the things that has been best about the trail for her has been the emotional shakedown. And for those of you not familiar with the term shakedown, it typically refers to when a more seasoned hiker takes aside another hiker and helps them go through their pack and identify the things they don't really need. And I've seen hikers shed like 20 pounds of unnecessary gear in a shakedown before. Anyhow, the thread of that idea came up in our other interview for this week between Higril and Umgawa out on the Appalachian Trail. And in between some astute observations about trail life, Amgawa also gives what might be the best advice I've heard yet for future through hikers. Let's take a listen. Hello, this is Hey Girl here with Sounds of the Trail on the Appalachian Trail, and I'm here with Umgawa. Umgawa and I are sitting at the 501 shelter in Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, which is about mile 1193 for northbound hikers on the AT. And we are um, here on a beautiful morning and the sun is shining in Pennsylvania and just looking out at a, a wooded area of trees and spider webs all around us. And... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what's so great about being outside. We got hear the birds chirping, the wind is blowing, the trees are dancing. So Umgawa, why don't you start out by telling Sounds of the Trail listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you came out here. Um, I'm from uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and um, I'm out here. How I came about to come out here was uh, last year I did a bicycle trip across the country. And I started in Yorktown, Virginia, and uh, as I was crossing the Appalachian Mountains, the trail took me to Love, Virginia, Troutville, Virginia, and Damascus, Virginia. And at all three locations, I met AT through hikers. The first couple I met was a, a father and son from Maine, and they were doing a sobo. Uh, the son was 13 years old, and the father took him out of school early. And I, that was just really intriguing that they were doing this together. Um, and then I met AT hikers in Troutville, Virginia, and in Damascus. So the whole trip across the country on the bike, I started thinking to myself, man, it'd be great that when I'm done riding across the country that I would do the Appalachian Trail. So that's uh, that planted a seed, and I thought about it the whole trip. Um, 
but I didn't actually think uh, I was going to be doing it this season in March. I finished that bike trip in November, and um, I actually was in San Diego, California, and going to ride to uh, Canada and do the PCT. But things happened. I did like a Forrest Gump thing, uh, 200 miles south of San Francisco. I decided to go home for the holidays, which is uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. And I ended up doing, uh, in March, planning for March to do the uh, Appalachian Trail. And uh, that's how I ended up out here this year. So before doing the AT, you were obviously into cycling if you went all the way across the country had you been a hiker before doing this through hike no no just an occasional day hike or two never a backpacking and and that bike trip was in the first time experience i was not a big bicycle advocate either you know i was more of a runner okay i was a marathon runner um an injury took me off the where I wasn't allowed to run anymore. The doctor told me no more impact, no more running. So that's when I started to plan for the bicycle trip. So now you're about three months into your through hike and uh, more than halfway there to Maine. And we're living this life where we're outside every day with the exception of going into towns to resupply or maybe to stay a night here or there overnight. What do you think after these three months? What's so great about being outside all the time? I think the the biggest thing for me is, is the sense of freedom that I get being out here on the trail. And if I'm looking over at my tent right now, pitched up over there, it's like my, uh, that's my castle. That's my domain. That's my home on my back. Um, and every night when I crawl into there, I feel like safe and secure, even though it's just a tent. Just being inside it, you know, it's it's mine, you know, and I own it, and uh, I am the king of my castle, basically, <laughs> kind of, so to speak. But the sense of being outside is just that's so open, so wide open, and so um, you just feel a sense of freedom. I don't feel like I'm chained down to, to society and the rules of society or the the insanity of uh, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting my life to be different, you know, according to society, man's society. But out here in the woods or on the trail, it feels like I'm just um, able to exercise my free will. Um, that's really what interests me the most about the travel on the bike and on the trail is the ability to exercise my free will, meaning that I can do whatever I want you know, if I'm willing to accept the consequences of my actions and doing the hike, you know, there are the consequences are rewarding for me, basically, you know, and I'm learning to live very minimal. And it's very, it's very enjoyable, you know, and sometimes tough, sometimes hard, you know, you know, learning that um, to simplify my life, you know, I, there's only certain things I need. So what, you know, what do you need? Is teaching, the trail is teaching me those things I need, you know. I need water. I need food. I need shelter. You know, really, I just need food and water, you know, and air. There's plenty of air out here. It's great air out here. It's not polluted or anything, but really just water and food, you know. I, I mean, I could sleep on my back on the ground anywhere, but am I willing to accept that I might get cold or get wet? But, you know, for me, it's like, Going back to being how I was born naked with nothing, 
you know, and that sense of reality of being just, just existing, the existence of it. I, I remember the first part of the trip, touching the trees, you know, you know, just becoming a part of nature, you know, and just touching the trees and feeling the rocks underneath your feet. It's just, it's an amazing feeling that, you know, of creation, we're part of creation, we're part the human, the humanness that we have, we're just part of the trees and the rocks and the ground and we're part of it, you know, we're not away from it, but we're part of it. And I don't think you, you, you don't know that or can't feel that until you're in it. I think that's a great point. A lot of what I've noticed and what you're describing out here is you are really in the trees and in the bushes and in with all the vegetation for a lot of each day and what we've been walking the last couple of days in Pennsylvania your feet are on the rocks all day some portions of the trail that they're either maintained well or maybe they're overgrown you're brushing up against ferns and pine trees and beech trees and all sorts of different vegetation berry bushes and you're feeling it you're tasting it you're touching you're running into spider webs and you're not so much apart you're in it and I think that's something that everybody out here kind of, you get used to. And then when we go into towns, it's a little bit different because you're in all those manly creations and, you know, you're in buildings and you're in stores and you're, you're, you're not tasting and touching it as much. So we kind of want to get back out there. But what about for you? Um, a lot of people listening, they're either hikers or they're interested in hiking or maybe interested in through hiking. You talk about how great it is to be out here in the freedoms and just getting used to being outside every day what about all the stuff that is tough about being out here like the rain the dirt the um the things that are getting back to living more basically but maybe a departure from what life is like off the trail how's that been for you in terms of being outside is it is it tough to get used to the rain or the snow or the sleet or the hail or all those changing things that come with being in the elements every day it's definitely tough. It's challenging, you know, and, and, um, you know, when you're, you know, when you're back home, you can, it can be very cold. It can be very wet, but you know, you have that security of getting in your car or going to the house and turning on the furnace and the comforts that we're so used to. And then, uh, but yet our, our body is so durable that we can, you know, I, I relate it to, um, if, if you're someone that likes winter sports, it could be freezing and cold outside, but yet you're going to go out there and you're going to snowmobile and you're going to ski and you're going to enjoy it. But if, if it's not recreational and you're just trying to exist in it, it's like a different mindset. You're like, Oh, it's freezing out here. It's cold out here. I remember in the Smokies, I was only in the Smokies for five days. It was cold. It was windy blistering and it snowed three of those nights and and i was like this i'm gonna die i'm not gonna I'm not gonna die but it was like it was like you feel like oh my gosh die. yeah i'm like this is crazy because you're up there on the ridge and it's windy and icy and that and i just couldn't wait to get down it was hard for me to stand up there and really enjoy the view because of the wind and everything now i'm sure that there's many times of the year you can go up there and really just set and see the views and things spectacular things but for me it was like i can't wait to get out of the smokies yeah <laughs> basically but but you live through it you endure it you know it's it's amazing how much the body it's really the mind 
not so much the body, it's just the mind that says, oh, it's cold, it's freezing, I'm, I, I'm not having any fun, I'm not enjoying this, you know, but we're tough. I think we're tough, you know, and yeah, there's days when in Virginia it seemed like it rained every day from Damascus all the way through, it seemed like I was wet. Everything was wet. I was wet, the tent was wet, my shoes were wet, the socks, everything was wet, but it dries out and you you can get through that too and you can learn to, even when it rains now, I still go, ah, oh, it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. It's going to rain. It's, it's, it's not like I can't do it. I, I don't always want to. I don't want to to always experience being wet and cold or but i can mm-hmm. it's just i'm so groomed for comfort mm-hmm. you know and out here you start to get groomed for to expect and, and whatever we get handed basically you know we love the sunny days you know and then when it's i, I remember thinking in virginia saying what do i hate about virginia i hate the wind and the rain and then a couple of days went by and it was really hot and muggy. And then I was like, oh, I can't wait for the wind and the rain. <laughs> so it just goes back and forth sometimes. It's, it's like we're never happy unless things are perfect. And I guess that's one thing you learn out here is that it's not perfect. All right. So all this being said, we're three months in. We've got about half of the trail left. And loving this outdoor life how much fresh air do you feel like you'll really need in your life after the trailer what do, what will you do to incorporate a life outside after this long through hike um i think after the trail when i get back into society where i just won't take it as serious that's the biggest thing i think uh, i won't take society as serious of a i don't know I won't put as much value on it after this trip. Okay. Meaning it won't be as important to me. To be in, li- live to society standards. Yes. It won't be something that I feel like I have to do and behave a certain way and live a certain way and meet certain expectations and standards. It'll be more about living outside and living as basic and naturally as you, you want to live yes. rather than what society tells you to do. Yes. I like that. Very comfortable. Yeah, and I noticed this morning, consciously noticed this morning that, you know, and it's been happening that the birds are chirping around 5 a.m. So I was like, oh, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> so the birds are like awake. You They're know? getting up. I should too. <laughs> yeah, so. um, okay, and then the, the final question is, for a lot of the Sounds of the Trail listeners, they get excited or interested about through hiking and um for all of us out here we have different reasons as to how we came to the trail but for anybody listening that's thinking about through hiking whether it's soon or later what advice would you give them hmm. well i i don't know for sure I, I guess i would say to try to be as light as possible travel light uh not just with your gear but uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, try to be, try to travel light. So that means that, you know, try to let go of a lot of things, you know. I mean, traveling heavy means a lot more than just a heavy backpack. We'll make a better It's hike. very hard to see things if you have a lot of shit in your head, basically. So a lot of people come out here with a lot of stuff and they don't really start to enjoy the trail until they let go of a lot of stuff. You you can't do anything about 
what's in the past and you can't do anything about what's in the future you you have to really live here and now basically today what's happening right now if you can come out here to the trail living within the now you're really going to enjoy it a lot but it takes a long time sometimes to let go of what's already been already happened and we spend time i've spent time on the trail thinking about the past and thinking about what's going to happen in the future but i really enjoy the trail mostly when i'm in it right now and that's something that you can train to do before you come out here though so i think that's a great note to end on you have a zero day to enjoy and relax and be outside of this sunny day and i have some miles to hike <laughs> so yes. um thank you so much umgawa and I guess this is us, uh, Hey Girl and Umgawa, signing off from the 501 shelter in Pine Grove, PA, on the Appalachian Trail. You know, not carrying around that extra baggage can be easier said than done. Let's hear our next update from Homework. Hey, it's Homework here. It's July 2nd. I am... I think like 25 miles outside of Anaconda, Montana, and this is definitely the lowest point of my hike so far. I'm having a lot of trouble. My hiking partner and I split apart. Um, he wanted some solo time before he uh, got off trail, and that's totally cool with me we kind of were loosely planning that but um, his plans changed and so I only got a day's notice before that split and I'm just having a really tough time I don't like being alone (laughs) out in the wilderness and it it's different than being alone on the PCT or the AT or any other popular trail when you're alone out here you're totally alone and I don't know I don't know if it's like an irrational fear I think a lot of it is but it's also I think instinctual like I'm just I go back and forth like with my relationships with humans <laughs> sometimes it's it's just really funny the juxtaposition like I really you know, don't want to be on crowded trails, but on the other hand, like, you know, when the closest hiker to me is four days or a week or two behind me, like, it's hard on me. I just have a hard time with that. I took a zero yesterday and kind of collected myself and just took a break from the trail and kind of tried to make a plan. I, uh, I don't know. I guess my plan right now is just to keep going and take a zero in every town I get to to hopefully let some of the other hikers catch up. But until then, it's just just me. And I don't... The last time I remember being this lonely was on the PCT when I was just really missing my um, ex-girlfriend. And... It's just weird how things circle back. Like, we're now talking again, and, you know, it's hard to be out here when I'm, like, 
man, I could be there in building a relationship again. And so those heartstrings, they're, they're tricky ones. I feel like just hiking along right now, like a storm's rolling in. It's like seven at night. I know tomorrow's supposed to be stormy. I just feel like I keep having these like mini panic attacks and I have to tell myself it's all right. Like nothing is wrong. You know, like I haven't even seen any signs of bears. Um, it's beautiful country. Like the trail's pretty well marked in this section. Like I have the skills. I, I have everything I need to be here, but I just don't have companionship and that that is hard for me. So I tried to kind of reframe this in my head, like tell myself that this is a, this is going to be my challenge and, um, you know, that I got this. I just need to push through and maybe I need to get over this fear. But man, when it gets later at night, I just... I just start breaking down and getting scared. <laughs> so that's kind of what's going on. It even just feels good just like talking out loud. But need to conserve my battery because I'm not going to have much solar power the next couple days. So I can't even listen to podcasts or music or anything to distract myself. <laughs> guess I'm just going to need to ride this one out. This is going to be really hard. I hope I can pull through this. That's about it. Homework signing out. And with that update, we're almost to the end, which is also the beginning. Maybe we all just need to find a place to shout into the wind. Until next week, happy trails through the trees kind of sounds like the ocean and I'm going to yell some stuff. I'm not afraid of being alone anymore! I'm not afraid of bears! <coughs> but they're fun to watch! I miss my friends and my family! I miss Flynn! But this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience! So I'm going to keep going. I love the world. I feel a lot better. <laughs> All right. Got to keep walking. That's it for now. <laughs>